0: Welcome to the next episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I really appreciate you tuning in, and today we are going to have a former NFL player. Now, for those of you who listen to the show regularly, I'm sure that this person would be thrilled that he was my first former NFL player out of the 125, 130 shows that we've done here on Cool Things. However, he's my second, because if you think back about, oh, five or six weeks ago, we had Lou D'Agostino from the former player for the Jets who is now a superstar in the world of insurance on the East Coast. And he was our first former NFL player. But today, I'm excited that we have Bo Eason. Now, Bo is somebody who I met about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, at a conference where I was the master of ceremonies, and Bo was one of the speakers. And I'll tell you, Bo is somebody who always sets his sights at being the best at whatever he does, and he was a fantastic speaker at this thing. I was tired just watching him, and I, you know what I do. I get to see a lot of speakers, and few of them wear me out while I'm sitting in a chair, but this guy did that. Bo is a former NFL standout. He's an acclaimed Broadway playwright and performer, and nowadays, he is a presence and story coach to some of the most successful people in the world, and today, he's going to share with us what cool things he does and some ideas about entrepreneurship. So Bo Eason, Welcome to the show.
1: Uh, Thanks, Tom. Uh, People are going to start thinking you have a sports show, talk show here because
0: of the two athletes. That's right. One in every 54 guests is going to be a former NFL player. That's kind of the new rule.
1: So you got a few years till your next athlete comes up.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. We do two a week. So it'll be six months before I need to get another former professional athlete on the show. Uh, Got it. That's funny. So, Bo, tell us a little bit about what your business is today, and then let's sort of back up and hear about your, your career as an NFL player.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's a very, I don't know how the heck I got here, but wow, what a crazy uh, ride it's been. But now I am, uh, I, uh, my wife and I, we have uh, a couple events a year, which is called personal story power event. And what we do is we bring in about a hundred entrepreneurs from all over the world and we go into a theater. And because my background is in theater and performance and I feel comfortable there and I figure if the people can get great in a theater and they can, they can fill the theater up with, with their humanity and with their molecules, then there's no room that they'll ever enter again. That will be that vast and that big, and they'll be able to uh, duplicate it.
0: So That's, that's pretty cool. I, I speak a lot and often in large ballrooms, but every now and then I'll speak at an event where they have taken <laughs> over either a current or an old theater, and there's something about being on a stage in a theater that is like nothing else.
1: Yeah, I agree. I feel so at home there. And I, I think it may be the history of theaters, you know, because you feel like when you're on a stage of an of a old theater, you think of all the storytellers and all the speakers and all the performers who came before you. And they're all their sweat and their blood is kind of on that stage. And I always feel it when I'm in the theater. And that's why I love to. And uh, that's really where I love to create and I love to perform. So, so and that's what we have our people
0: do. So a couple of years ago, I spoke at a conference that was held, and I might blow the name of the theater, but it was the Millennial or the Millennium Theater in New York City in Midtown. And it's the original theater where the original, like Jack Parr, Tonight Show wow. was broadcast from up until I think the days of Johnny Carson. I think he moved it out to the West Coast. I don't know if it yeah. was somewhere else in New York in between, but it was the original stage where The Tonight Show was filmed when it when it debuted. And you are right. I remember being on there thinking of all the people who had been on that stage yep. just with The Tonight Show, much less the fact that it had been a, a Broadway theater for many years.
1: Yeah, that's that's really cool. And that's what I always think of when When I'm I'm, when I'm on a stage, and then especially when we do our events, that's why we like to hold them there, is because of the history and because of the the creativity that you can come up with. That's really difficult to come up with in a hotel ballroom.
0: Yeah, no, that's that is absolutely right. But let's back up a little bit. How does an NFL player become an expert on communication and and speech?
1: Yeah, it's uh, well, you know at the end of my uh, football career you know the, the uh, it's funny when you become a a, a professional athlete it, it takes you about 20 years to get there you know to get to the very top of your game so after those 20 years are up and you've trained yourself in my case to be a safety so so for 20 years i trained to be the best in the world at this thing called safety um and if you're the best safety in the world then it's likely that you're very fast and you throw your body full speed into other bodies <laughs> right <laughs> so that's the skill that i developed over 20 years and i was standing on top of the heap at one point and the very next moment i can't do it anymore oh. and 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 all of us have faced this in one way or another but when you're when you're an athlete like that and you're it comes to a screeching halt you, you say to yourself, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to express myself now? Because how I expressed myself for the last 20 years was to throw my body 20 miles per hour into other people. <laughs> and that just does not translate well to the civilian world.
0: No, <laughs> so, no, not, not at all. <laughs> right. No, and please, next time I see you, don't do that to me.
1: <laughs> right. And, and so I thought to myself, okay, if I did it in this field, I can do it in another field. I got to find a place, a platform to put my feet so that I can express myself the same way I did on a field as I do, uh, you know, verbally, because I, wasn't skilled at that. So I moved to New York city. I took every class I could possibly take as far as theater goes, as far as acting and improv and writing and, and stage work. And I worked my butt off and I got really good at that. And it, anybody can, you just have to get trained, you know? And, um, so I wrote this one man play that went to New York and it became this big hit and it's going to be made into a movie. And, and the, the only person in this play is me. So it's a one man play. I wrote it and then I performed in it. Well, Tom, you won't believe this, but you know, everybody who came backstage during our runs in New York. Uh, You know, mostly fans would come back and and they say hi to you and they say congratulations. But in my case, business owners would come backstage, people who were titans of industry in New York, and they would come backstage and they go, hey, man, um, can you bring this to my company or could you bring this to, you know, uh, uh, my people, my executive team? And I was like, "What do you mean? I, I don't do that. This is a play. I don't know what you're talking about. And I' didn't even, I didn't even really know that the speaking world existed. Uh, I didn't know how it how it was run or how it how it uh, operated. But eventually, Tom, uh, this uh, they kept coming backstage and they kept coming backstage, and we kept rejecting them, saying no, uh, until one guy came back, and he goes, "Hey, I would like you to bring this to my company's retreat." Um, would you do that? And I said, no, I don't do that. I don't even know what you're talking about. And this guy goes, oh, that's too bad because our retreat is in Maui, and we'd love to bring your whole family,
0: <laughs> and we pay this amount. And, and all of wife- a sudden, Bo said, wait a minute. I do this. I, I, in fact, I'm really good at this. <laughs>
1: That's exactly what happened. So here we are struggling in the theater where there's no money to be made, but we, we loved our art. We loved what we were doing. And my wife and I just looked across at each other in my dressing room, and we go, oh, yeah, we do do that.
0: Oh, you said <laughs> company retreats. Oh, I, I misunderstood you. I thought you said company feats. No, 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 right. we do retreats. Yeah, right.
1: absolutely. Right, and that is that was the beginning of my speaking career. So I didn't know really how to speak, but I knew, I knew how to tell a story. And, uh, because I, I trained at that. And I knew how to perform. I knew how to be on stage. I knew how to to have people watch me on stage and which is a skill and an art that can be mastered. Um, when most people don't think it can. Um, so I knew that stuff. So I did this, I did the speech. And from that speech, I think I got hired, from three companies out of that audience. So now I had four speeches in my life. And from each audience I went to, it felt like I got like two or three uh, other companies to hire me from those speeches. And that's how it's built. And then people came to me and they said, hey, can you teach people to do what you do on stage? And I go, I don't know. I've never thought about that. And my wife and I started to look at each other and figure it out. And we said, all I got to do is retrace my steps because somebody taught me to do this. And so I got to retrace my steps, figure out how they taught me, and then teach the people. And about four or five years ago, we started doing that. And then that business really exploded. I didn't know how many people needed or wanted that kind of training. And I think the reason why they wanted it and they needed it was – uh, there's this great quote Tom and you've probably heard it before and I can't remember who said it but it's this there's only one shortcut in life and that is to be a public speaker
0: <laughs>
1: you have to be able to speak to to you know to circumvent a lot of miles that you would otherwise have to run because if you can get up in front of people and express yourself in a way then they will follow you and you will become the leader well and I'm- they will and that's pretty much, you know, I think the reason why
0: it's grown like. That. And I'd never heard that quote before, but I can tell you from my own career, long before I knew I would be a professional master of ceremonies and professional keynote speaker, I got really involved as, as a young man at like 25 years old. I got really involved with Toastmasters, and I really sort of embraced the idea of learning how to be able to speak well. And yeah. that actually, when I was in corporate America— I attribute the fact that they could call on me and I could just off the cuff be able to deliver my thoughts clearly and concisely. And when I had time to prepare, I could essentially, you know, without being theatrical, I could put on a show to be able to sell or, or talk about what the, the theme was of the event. And that allowed people to suddenly say, oh, he's smart. We should give him the promotion. Right. And, and other people would look at me going, well, why did they promote him? I have this special degree or I took the course. But because someone is well-spoken, I mean, look at the presidential races. You know, if somebody is better spoken, we think they're smarter. For sure and, and and we think they're a better leader, which those two may or may not always go hand in hand.
1: totally right, you're hundred percent right. I mean you're right, you know i, I always uh, I always think of yeah, I went on this um uh, aircraft carrier, right so one of my clients is a admiral of in the Navy, like he's a three star admiral, so he let me land on an aircraft carrier that was that was playing war games out in the ocean.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: It was so cool. So I landed on this carrier, which I almost wet my pants when I did, which <laughs> it was so scary. <laughs> and But when you're on this carrier, you go around and you talk to all the different sailors you know, who handled And there's 5,000 of them on this ship, 5,000 sailors. And they all have their specific jobs. Well, when I would go around, they would tell me their job and what they do for the ship and what they do for the airplanes flying off the ship. You could tell, and these were young people, there's 18, 19-year-old kids, some in their 20s, some in their 40s. You'd talk to them and you could see who was going to get promoted the quickest and work their way up the ranks based on how they presented to you.
0: Yeah, I agree. I bet that's exactly, I bet you could do a study and find that to be 100% true almost every time. Yep. So I kind of think that actors and professional sports players, I I think those people are entrepreneurs. I mean, if you look back to what it took, because you weren't like the number one draft pick for the Oilers. I mean, if you look back on what it took for you, you know, to get on a professional NFL team and to be able to stay there and and year after year be a contributor, a lot of those traits are the same for an entrepreneur as they are for an athlete or, or an actor, correct?
1: Oh yeah. You know, this is one thing about entrepreneurs, which I'll always be an entrepreneur. It's, there's no, every elite athlete. I bet you, if everyone listening to us today, Tom would just think in their mind's eye right now of who they admire in the world, who they look up to for the most part, those people are going to be, have an entrepreneurial spirit to them because, um, corporate, the corporate world um, seems unheroic to us. Um, Safety seems unheroic to us, to us with this kind of spirit. We're not really interested in safety or security. What we're interested in is expressing ourselves. And we're interested in building a thing, something with this vision that we have, this, this calling that you feel like in the middle of the night when you can't sleep that's who we are. So we're never really interested in safety and security. And of course, uh, uh, I would be attracted to the world of the NFL because there's no security in that world. There, if you're no, I I love this. I, if I'm no good at playing safety, in fact, if I'm not the best in the world at playing safety, they're going to find somebody else to take my place. Yep. I love occupations like that. I love that that's kind of the entrepreneurial spirit. Like if you and me are no good at what we do, Tom, and everyone listening to us, if you're no good at what you do, in fact, if you're not the top of your field, you're usually at a
0: business. So that makes you play at a very high level. Well, and I see that because I've made a study of the speaking business for a decade and a half. I've been full time as a, as a professional speaker for six and a half years, but another six and a half or eight years before that, I was studying the business. And people call me all the time and want advice of, of how do you become a paid speaker? And there's a lot of things that you need to do to get noticed, to get recognized, to, to get on the radar screen of these people, because it's scary to hire a speaker, because if they suck, you can ruin the whole conference. Yep. So it's just to get noticed is good enough. But the one thing I always tell people, because lots of times I receive these calls from people I've never met, they're a friend of a friend's cousin, and I'm happy to talk to them about the business. but one thing i say is you have to be good and i know it's it's kind of hard in our society that we live in for me to say well i must be good because i've been doing it full-time for seven years but there's something to that and you know i'm going to brag on you a little bit there's a lot of former professional athletes who see the dollar signs and if you have a little celebrity behind you it's an easier game than i play because i don't have that behind me but if you played for the oilers or you played for the dodgers or you did something like that you you're gonna get on a certain number of radar screens where people are like ooh. Former professional athlete—that's great, but that doesn't mean that you have any skill on the stage to, to give a speech. And I'm going to brag on you because not only were you one of the best former athletes I've ever seen, you were one of the best speakers that I've ever seen. However, your style is extravagantly different—not just from professional athletes, which it was way different than most former athletes—but your style was was very theatrical. And what what drew me to that, and and I haven't told. But like four people this, and so now I'm going to tell the thousands who listen to the show because I want to confide in my friend Bo. Since before I met you, but a little bit like kicked in the butt since I met you, I've been actually working on a one-man show.
1: Oh, And –
0: I don't know where it's going to go. I have a couple of different ideas of – I don't necessarily see taking it to to New York, but I have a couple of ideas of how it can help help me and help the people who would see it. But it's one of those things that I was inspired by your style, and and I don't believe you should ever copy anyone's style. You have to develop your own, but you have a very unique presentation style that I said, wait a minute. That – well, I wouldn't do it that way. That inspires me to do that over here, and so – I think one of the things that you have is is not only are you so driven, but you have developed a unique thing. And in the speaking business, that's what I tell everybody. If you say, oh, I'm a leadership speaker, well, whoop de doo let's you know throw some confetti in the air and we're going to hit a billion leadership speakers. What are you doing that makes you unique? And that's what I did when I created the conference catalyst program and sort of morphed being a speaker with being the master of ceremonies. Nobody else is doing that, or very few yeah. people. That's mine. People could say, "Oh, I'm a conference catalyst." Well, go look it up. Tom Singer, I'm the conference catalyst, so it's unique. Right. But you were one of the most unique performers I've ever seen in a business conference.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think this one man show, one woman show, this is a great concept for everyone listening. Because listen, Tom and I are, are. If you think about our careers and our lives, and everyone listening, all of you all of us are one man and one woman shows. You are, you're light. I know you don't think of yourself like that. Like we don't, I don't walk around thinking, Hey, I'm Bo and I'm a one man show. I'm not thinking about that, (laughs) but you are because look, I'm, I'm 54. Now I'll be 55 in March. All of us have lived to a certain age. That's very dramatic to make it that far. Very dramatic. Just being born is dramatic. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of turning points and defining moments throughout your lifetime that is probably the most valuable thing that you've got, and that's what you need to share the most. And and what you need to share the most also is the struggle that it took you to get this far. Not not the paved road that was easy or the silver spoon in your mouth. (laughs) Not that. That's not an interesting story. What we love as human beings is struggle. And we love story. That's why we love movies and we love plays and we love books because those are just filled with stru- the stories of struggle. So all of us walking around, are. Ba- I look at every person that I've ever coached and met as a potential one man or one woman show, that they've got to be able to tell their narrative. They got to be able to tell their story so that it impacts other people. That's how people learn. If you think back to the caveman days, our ancestors, you know, thousands of years ago, this is how they taught the young people coming up how to go on a hunt and kill a (laughs) buffalo so that the tribe survives. They didn't say, hey, do A, B, and C. They told them a story of the last buffalo hunt.
0: I've been telling people that for years, that we spend too much time showing PowerPoints with graphs and pie charts on them when people learn based on a story. So and and I think I think you're right. I love I wrote this down because it'll probably be the title of this episode. Is you are a one man or one woman show, and that is true whether or not you intend to ever perform it on a theatrical stage. The thing I've learned trying, and by the way, it's hard to write a play even if you're the only character. Uh, what I have learned so much about myself just writing the show is. Some of the things that I personally secretly struggle with that I put a mask on and don't show the world, I've had to strip it away a little bit with myself in order to come up with a story that's real and, you know, that is meaningful and that would have an impact. It's actually sort of therapeutic.
1: Oh, man. There's look that, you know, the optimum health. I've talked to a therapist about this, one of my clients She's a very well known psychologist here in um, in Los Angeles, which we need a lot of
0: psychology here in Los Angeles. <laughs> more, more it. per capita, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but
1: I was talking to her, and she goes, "No, no." She, I go, I, I go. This is so healing. Yet, I never talk about the healing aspect of telling your own story. And she says, "Oh no, Bo, you don't understand. This is optimum health." You have to be able to share your own narrative of your life to have optimum health. Mm -hmm. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. So here we are building a brand because your your one-man story, your one-man show is your brand. Mm -hmm. And now not only are you building your company, but you're getting health at the same time. You're getting (laughs) optimum health. At the same time that you're building the
0: most valuable thing you got, I think that's a cool way to build your life. That's very cool. So, so you and, and your wife work side by side with you, and your kids are involved. What do you love about this lifestyle of an entrepreneur?
1: Oh man, you know what? I don't like bosses. I I don't mind my wife being the boss, right? Because she,
0: she, <laughs> she's got my. She, I met her, and I got to tell you, you married up, man. I mean, you know, you might have been an NFL player, but you married up. She is awesome. I know.
1: All my all my ex teammates always say to me, "Hey, Bo, I think you outkicked your coverage." <laughs>
0: that's a good. That's good.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. But like, I don't like. I I like my own vision. You know, I don't want somebody else to tell me. I don't want to fulfill somebody else's vision for them. I want to fulfill on my own. And so we all have these stories and we all have these visions, yet we always poo-poo ours so that we can help someone else build theirs. And I'm like, I would like my vision to come into existence. I wonder if I could build that. And so therefore I didn't want to have a boss. I didn't want people to go, no, Bo, don't do what you want. Do what I want you to do. And I think, man, once you grab a hold of your own voice and your own vision, then you have ultimate power and then you're calling the shots. And I just liked being in that position. And that hasn't been true my whole life. Obviously, in professional sports, it was my dream and it was my vision, but I was always under the tutelage of a great coach and a mentor and an owner that that I had to fulfill on their vision, too. So... To, but to have my own voice and my own vision, it, that was a pretty cool moment when, it, when I actually surrendered to that.
0: So, Bo, in building your career, how important has networking been? Now, you know, it's funny. Um,
1: I want to talk about networking. I, I rarely do I use the word networking only because this has been my theory about networking. I, I always thought this, and I want you all to just consider this just for a second. Instead of going outside of yourself to look for answers, what if we put all those answers on you? Like, you're the one with all the goods, you're the one with all the talent, you're the one with all all the, um, uh, the vision and the power and the leadership muscle. And let's stop looking outside of ourselves for just a moment. Just bear with me for a second. Let's stop looking outside ourselves for a second. And let's focus on you for a second. Now, what if your commitment and my commitment and Tom's commitment here was to be the best at what we do? Earlier, Tom talked about his position in the speaking world. He plays a very specific position that nobody could compete with him at. He talked about my style. I play my position, which is called a style. I play my position better than anyone else can play that position. Cause it's mine. Tom does the same. Think about this for yourself. Now, when you start to play your position, which is based on your story, how you see the world, then guess what? There is no more competition for you. And everybody who wants what you have has got to come to you for it. Mm. Now, that eliminates networking. Now the networking is coming to you. Because if you're the top in the world at your position, then everybody's got to come knock on your door. And this has always been my commitment. Instead of me going out, reaching out and going, "Hey, will you help me?" which I do sometimes, they usually come to me and go, "Dude, you're really good at what you do. Um, how can I help you?" Or can you help me? Or can we do business together? Or can we get married? You know what I mean? (laughs) That's how it works.
0: That's, that's, that is a unique and awesome way to point out how to do this. This is great. Keep going. Yeah. This is what I just
1: want you to surrender to the fact that you have a position in this world and nobody can play that position as good as you. 7 billion people on the planet and no one has seen what you've seen and no one has walked in your shoes. That is very unique. It distinguishes you from everybody else. So if you're the best at expressing what that position is and how you see the world and what your vision of the future of this world is, then we've got to come to you to help our companies, to inspire us. So all... I I want you to quit looking outside yourself and surrender to the fact that you got all the answers. You're the goods. And I'm not saying that you're not asking for help. I often ask for help. I'll, I'll go to somebody like Tom and I'll go, Tom, hey, man, I want to get on that stage. Tom, can you help me? And Tom's like, hey, man, if you're good, I can help you. But if you're no good, I can't help you.
0: Well, you know? fortunately fortunately for you, you're pretty good. <laughs> hey, Bo, I've got a, I got a couple more questions for you, but first got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to assure that you're going to sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Bo Eason. I think that they set out to be the best podcast producers out there, and I know from my show that they are. So if you want to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for our listeners. So Bo, we call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? Coolest
1: thing. Okay, so most of my career, you know, I started my career on stage. Uh, speaking on stages only and exclusively on stage. Um, I was kind of, didn't want to do a lot of video. I didn't, I kind of felt weird in front of the camera, even though I've had some training at it. I've just never felt great. And then I never admired that word in front of a camera, whether it's a movie star or a performer who uses a camera, they don't like it either. But yet they're amazing at it, but they don't like it. It's like this, it's like this, I don't know. What is it? An ambivalent thing going on. Like two things are happening at once for one. They're not crazy about being in front of the camera yet. They're extraordinary when you're watching it from the other end. So I started toying with video maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, more and more and made it a part of my speaking world. And, and and then somebody came to me and they, I go, you know, I don't do a lot of video. I don't really like it. And somebody said to me this time, they said, well, Okay, you can have that attitude, Bo, but think of all the people who can't see you. Think of all the people who can't be in those hotel ballrooms or in those theaters that are over in another country, that can't travel, that can't be there. How are you going to help them? They're going to be left without your vision and your voice. And I said, that's when I really, that's when I, it really hit me like a ton of bricks. And I said, okay. He goes, because I didn't want to do video, but now I've just gotten comfortable with being uncomfortable in front of the camera
0: well and i have a friend who's been on the show a couple times her name is jessica pettit and she says that every six months she does something in her business or her personal life that scares the hell out of her because oh, being yeah. uncomfortable is what makes her better
1: oh yeah and they, they, you know that's great advice for anybody so so the camera makes me feel that way even though i have a lot of experience up to this point now but still i i just but get but 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 think about this everybody when you're comfortable in front of a camera or you're comfortable on stage, chances are people are going to be uninterested. But if it takes everything you've got to be up there and in front of that camera and doing things that scare you, you're very watchable. People have got to watch you because you're you're doing a heroic act to begin with. <laughs> and it's very interesting the human human nature, how we how we handle our own fears. The hu- Human species, are in t- they're, they're infatuated with fear. They love to watch somebody who's, who's walking on a tightrope. They love it. And so if, if being on stage feels like being on a tightrope or being in front of a camera or doing something scary feels like that to you, I would do it. And for me, it's being in front of the camera. So I think the coolest new thing that we're doing is doing a lot of video and getting it out to grow our company and to grow our business into worlds that can't see me live.
0: That's great. So, Bo, I could talk to you all day about Bo Eason and all the cool things you're doing. But I actually have found that the best entrepreneurs, I think they're observers, and so I love to ask my guests, not you and your wife and your company, but who's someone else out there who you see? Some people say they're dry cleaner. Some people say Elon Musk. People can have anything in between. Who is someone else out there where you think, wow, they're doing something cool?
1: Wow. that You know what? That's a great question because I'm, a, I'm really good at finding people who are the best at what they do and then uh, not reinventing the wheel, you know, I just go, wow. I just remember I wanted to be the fastest guy in the NFL. And there was a few guys who could beat me. And then I went to a guy who happened to be the fastest man in the world, Carl Lewis, who had just won the gold medal. And I said, Carl, can you make me the fastest man in the world? I mean, the fastest man in the NFL. And he said, yeah, you just have to do what I do. And I said, okay, I do. I'll do it. So I'm always, I'm very good at that at looking at what career that is I'm attracted to. And I want that career. And then I have it. It's really easy to go get someone else's career that you see. So everyone on this call, think about this as I'm going to, I'm going to tell you whose mine is in a second. But as I'm, as I'm telling you, I want you to think about one thing. Who's got your career right now. Who's got your career. Who's having your career. There's somebody out there. Who's got it. Uh, When I got into the entertainment world, I was asked this very question, Tom, and I didn't go to like, oh, I want Brad Pitt's career. I want Tom Cruise's career. I didn't think like that. I thought of who has a cool career... Yet they can go to dinner, and they can have a family, and they can do all. They can write books. They can be in a band, and they can act, and they can be a comedian, and they can be a speaker, and they can be a great husband, and they can have a be a great father. Who is that? And you know who it is for me, Tom. Who? Steve Martin. Ah. Uh-huh. Steve Martin all of us pretty much know him as a comedian, right? Like from Saturday Night Live, right? Right? But he directs movies. He writes movies. He writes books. He stars in movies, and he has his own band. that that's and he can kind of, Come into a restaurant and just be with people.
0: Yeah, people would probably say, "Hey, that guy over there looks like Steve Martin." That's
1: right, and he's just cool. He's so funny and cool. I go, I want to be able to write a book, and tomorrow I want to be able to write a one-man play, and then on the next day I would like to direct a movie, and then following that I would like to take a vacation for a year and like you know do something else, learn how to you know paint. That's what this dude does. And I I go, that is a cool career. Now, even though my sensibility may not be like Steve Martin, I don't necessarily look like Steve Martin, but I love to have a career where I get to invent it. I get to say whether I'm painting or not painting. I get to say whether I'm writing a play or being in a play. I get to say whether I'm speaking tomorrow or I'm writing a novel tomorrow. I want to be able to be in that position. And I, I, would, I would invite everyone on this, on this uh, podcast to think of who owns your career right now. Who owns your career right now? And here's another exercise to do. Mm-hmm. Write them a letter. Get a hold of them. I'm telling you, those people can be gotten a hold of. I know you think they can't, but nobody's trying to get a hold of them. No one's trying to get a hold of Steve Martin today. Nobody. I can get a hold of Steve Martin because no one else is thinking about this. And you, I could call Steve Martin and I would go like this. Hey, Steve, my name's Bo Eason. I love what you've done with your career and your life. I would love to have that career. How did you do that? How did you tell me how you did? And he will tell me and you're in the same position as I'm in. You gotta, and it, the, your person may not be famous. It might be somebody down the street. Right. It might be your cousin.
0: Yep, and in fact, most of the people who I've encountered, they, they know who they admire and they know who they see who are crushing it and they don't really pay any attention to it. And that's why I love asking guests about this observer trait is who do you see out there? Because oftentimes we get so caught up in in their, our own quest for success and we get so caught up in me, me, me. And I think we live in a world that sort of encourages it, right? I mean, if you've logged on to Instagram lately, it's, hey, here's another picture of me. And yeah. we're all guilty of it. I've done it. Yep. But I think when we take the time to step back and say, Who out there is crushing it? I think that's a good thing, and that's why that's one of my favorite questions that I ask the guests on the show.
1: It is. That's a great question, and it's very – think about the question Tom just asked me, everybody. That is a story in itself. If you can locate who that person is, like my – I talked about Carl Lewis who won the gold medal in the Olympics. So I, I talked about him like being the fastest man in the world. So that's who I went to to be fast. If I wanted to be the best ballet dancer in the world, guess who I'd go to? Mikhail Baryshnikov, he would be the first guy. I'd go to him. I'd say, dude, how do I do what you do? How, tell me. I want that. I want what you've got. And he would tell me. And only he could tell me. Because the person who's kind of mediocre at ballet, they can't help me. Because for one, they're not generous. They won't, they won't know what to tell me. But they won't even take my phone call. But Steve Martin, Carl Lewis, Mikhail Baryshnikov, they'll actually help well, because because they're they're in the position to help.
0: And I've noticed it sort of in the speaking business. There's a lot of people who are mediocre who never make it, who turn around and try and train, too. So lots of times, if you're not looking for the best, you can end up with somebody who is totally mediocre trying to be your coach.
1: Yeah, that's the last thing you need is a mediocre coach. But that's for <laughs>
0: <sure>. <laughs> So so, Bo, in addition to being great observers, I also think that entrepreneurs want to do more than make money, so I love to ask my guests, "What do you do to give back to the greater good?"
1: Yeah, I, this is uh, uh, again, Tom. Your questions are really thoughtful, and they they make uh, w- when someone's good at asking the right questions. You're it's totally arresting to the to the listener. It makes you go, "Damn!" I, like I could just I could spew and I can rattle off some, you know. Idea of a question, but your questions really make you go, "Hmm, okay, okay. Um, what is it? What is that thing?" So, a- ask it again, Tom, just so everybody's reminded.
0: So, I think that great entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money, and so I love to ask my guests, "What is it that you do to give back to the greater good?"
1: Yeah, this is what I this is what I do, and this is what I encourage everyone else to do to give back. I think it is your birthright to be the best in the world at your position. So whatever your job is, whatever your position is, I think it is your birthright. I think you're put on this earth to fulfill on the birthright, which is to be the best in the world at that thing. When you do that, you are giving the world the best gift you can give. There is nothing more intoxicating than watching somebody be the best at what they do. Now, think about who that is in your life. Think about all the examples that I've already talked about, whether it's an ice skater who won the gold medal, whether it's Mikhail Baryshnikov, you know, dancing the Nutcracker. Look, when you see people like that perform because they're the best in the world at their position, think about what that is for you. And they excel at performing that. And they love to perform that day in and day out that is the biggest gift that you can give to the world because the world is inspired by your greatness and then they want to fulfill on their own greatness. So the next time you watch Baryshnikov or the next time you watch uh, you know, the greatest gymnast or the greatest cellist in the world or the greatest pianist in the world, you see how much they inspire you. I want you to do exactly what they do you inspire the masses when they watch you perform. Now, whether that's speaking or storytelling or giving a toast or coaching, whatever it is that you do best and you play that position, that is the greatest gift that you've got to give to this world. And that is that is the gift that this world needs the most, by the way, too.
0: So, Bo, you have given some such amazing, thoughtful and thought-provoking answers. So on behalf of my audience, I want to thank you for taking the time to be a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do.
1: Thanks, Tom. That was really fun.
0: Oh, no problem. It's like, like I said, it's just a chat with friends, and, and I really feel that we had a real heart-to-heart here. Now, if someone's listening and they think, i, I got to know more about this Bo Eason guy. How do I sign up for his his presentation skills and storytelling classes? Where do people go to find you?
1: Yeah, my website is Bo Eason. It's just my name, BoEason.com. Uh, and the first name's Bo, B-O, and the last name's is Eason, E-A-S-O-N, boeason.com. And if they go there, there's a bunch of fun stuff on the website. Uh, you can see w- what I do. You can see the kind of trainings that I give and how I train the people to do exactly what I do. And then that's, you know, I always make one promise to the people that I work with, Tom. And I say, listen, I have been trained by, by the best to be the best. And, and the person who trained me made a promise to me. And then I, I passed this promise on to people I work with. And he said to me, he said, if you do what I tell you to do and you implement exactly what I tell you to do, then your audience is not going to have the ability to look away from you. And I've always taken that to heart. And I've always, once I trained and implemented exactly how he taught me and what to do, um, I was able to duplicate that. I was able to do that. And then, then I'm able to pass that promise onto the people that I train. And then I ask the people that I train, I go, now listen, imagine what that means to your life if, if people can't look away from you. Imagine the power and the responsibility that you now have. So you've got to fulfill on that. You've got to come through for yourself. But it's, I'm telling you, it ain't easy. Mm-hmm. But who cares? If it was easy, anybody could do it. That's right. It's a lot of hard work. But there's no better work because like we talked about earlier, it's the healthiest work. It's the most lucrative work. It's the, it's the easiest way to make a shortcut and, and go to the top fairly quick is if you can get up in front of people and talk.
0: So, Bo, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I know that my listeners listen to a lot of podcasts. They listen to this one and they listen to five or six others. And my guess is that somewhere along the line, whether it was this morning or last month or last year, you also made a commitment that you were going to be the best podcast guest in the world. <laughs> Because you were definitely with us the whole journey over the time we've been on this episode. So again, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you, Tom. I'm so glad you asked me and uh, I'm really happy to do it. I love sharing the stage with you and uh, look forward to doing it again.
0: And to everybody who listened, you know, I always say it, we wouldn't have a show if it wasn't for the listeners. For those of you who've been contacting me to find out more about the Cool Things Project, the group coaching project, keep those emails coming at Tom, T-H-O-M, at TomSinger.com. I'm still putting together the details, but we're still trying to see who wants to to sign up to play in that pool so keep sending me emails and i'm compiling that list and we'll be starting that in january uh so i'm going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as bo eason but in the meantime you go out there and have a great day